This podcast is sponsored by FlashFilmAcademy.com. If you're into photography, filmmaking, or video production, FlashFilmAcademy.com is an online training platform designed to help you monetize your passion. There's a ton of information online to help you capture a better image, but there's only one place you need to go if your goal is to make a living doing what you love. Enroll today to get three free courses. FlashFilmAcademy.com. It's time to turn your passion into profit. This is a Flash Film Media Podcast. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is a episode of the podcast that is not based on a video that's on YouTube. This is when you get the real good juicy gossip, the real good information. I'm not going to call it gossip, but we could call it information. But today we're going to have a good talk with my friend Joni, who is from The Bite Shot. And, you know, you see me work with her on a few collabs online, and I had a chance to really chop it up with her about her past, about where she come from, about how she came about and her struggles as becoming a food photographer. And you are going to be shocked and surprised at just her story. I love her story. I love her story. She has a great story and her story will show you. um, It'll kind of solidify some of the things that I talk about and preach every day on the channel, just hard work and opportunity and how she built her brand from from nothing she built it from nothing she built it from doing a whole lot of free work and investing in herself and courses and things like that and and you know spending money to go to conferences to be around the right people to grow her business and i am always i've been one who don't believe in begging for opportunities but i believe in creating opportunity and she has a history that's strictly about creating opportunity so let's get right into it but first let's run this intro you're listening to content and cash a flash film academy podcast if you want to learn how to take pretty pictures this is not the place but if you're ready to make a living by learning the business behind the camera buckle up because it's time to turn passion into profit with your host ty turner now that we got the intro going, let's bring in Joni. We have Joni from the Bike Shot, and we've been working a lot this week. We've been, we've been, you know, this project and this series has done great things. How do you feel about it so far? Oh, I feel so good. It's been so fun too to hear from folks who've watched the videos and who've done the same strategy that we did and have mm-hmm. had success with it. And they're like, they're like, yes, this is exactly what people got to do. Uh, you know, so it's like super <laughs> validating too. <laughs> I I love to read comments and see things like that. Like I've, you know, we've both been tagged and stuff on Instagram and messages and comments on on uh youtube so it's been wonderful to see people just how they feel about it and yeah and the collaboration in general it's been fun and it's fun too because i feel like somebody commented the other day and i was like yeah i totally feel it said it's kind of like we're being sneaky you know like everybody's mm-hmm. watched the videos and knows what we're doing so then when it posted on instagram people were like oh this isn't just another post like they kind of know the backstory <laughs> on it so it's kind of <laughs> like we got this little inside story going on <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was one. It was one comment. I forgot who made it, but they were like, "My two favorite channels yeah. come together." I was like, <laughs> "Makes your day." <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about a little bit more about like how you got into photography. I know we spoke a little bit about it in the series, but yeah. I love to hear about you know your pink camera and how things started for you. Yeah, I you know I think that 
so much of life, and I'm sure this is true for you and for many mm -hmm. people, is like you don't necessarily set out on a path to do something specific, but all of a sudden you realize like all these different experiences come together. Um, and so, you know, growing up, I'd always been into food and cooking, um, you know, grew up with the Food Network and all those kind of people and stuff like that. I thought, oh, that's just, that's really cool stuff. And, you know, I always took the time to learn to cook and cooked in my own kitchen. Um, and then I also had kind of this artistic background and my undergraduate degrees in art history. And I took a certain amount of like studio art classes. But, you know, I, as much as I love painting, I'm a very... Um, I, I'm not a patient person <laughs> and painting takes a long time. And so, you know, once I kind of discovered, oh, this camera business, this is pretty cool stuff. You know, you can take a picture and it's kind of some instant gratification, especially in the digital age, you know, that you can take a shot and see it immediately on the back of your screen. And so, you know, life being what it is kind of takes you down these paths and these rabbit trails to, you know, the combination of a passion for food and art and creativity, uh, spend some time teaching and, you know, kind of some other, other businesses that I worked in. And then finally, you know, picking up that pink point and shoot camera, it was just a little, I actually dug it out the other day and I found it. And it's, you know, I just started sharing pictures of what I was cooking at home online, you know, kind of when blogs first started out and food blogs were a thing. And, you know, the photos are atrocious and the photos still exist. You know, people are always like, oh, you just knew how to do it from day one. I was like, oh, Lord have mercy. No. Yeah. Um, and so I always love to show people that old website and they go, oh gosh, yeah, you didn't even know what white balance was. <laughs> it was very <laughs> obvious. And so, um, but through the course of that, you know, I think that anytime you get your teeth into something that you love and that you're excited about and that you have a vision for what it could be, you continue to work harder at trying to figure it out and trying to dig deeper into it. And that's how photography was for me. You know, it was like, I knew in my mind's eye what I wanted these photos to look like. And that mm -hmm. wasn't what I was getting, but I knew that was possible. And so I uh, just really started down that road of, you know, reading every book I could and watching every YouTube tutorial I could find and taking courses and, you know, all the, you know, and, and tons and tons. I'm sure um, you're the same way, Ty, is tons and tons of experimentation and trying mm -hmm. things out and screwing things up and making all the mistakes. So, um, so yeah, that that's eventually what led to um, then realizing, hey, you know what, I can turn this into a business because I started local restaurants started my very first very first paying client was a local restaurant um, hired me because I had been, you know, sharing this content online. I was sharing pictures on my Instagram and I started going out to local restaurants and started to interview chefs and share their stories on my Instagram. I went in and shot some dishes for um, like my own content. And just like we teach, right? Mm -hmm. I was creating content for um, my own stuff. And the restaurant's like, you know, we really like those shots that you took for your blog. Can you come back in and shoot the rest of our menu for us? And I'm yeah. like, oh, God, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, secretly in the back of your mind, you're going, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do any of this. Um, but, you know, you show up and you figure it out. And so that was sort of then what gave me that taste of, oh, I can do this thing that I love and get paid to do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, then what that that was in 2015. So here we are five years later and uh, have built a business I'm pretty proud of. 
So, like, how did you, because my question is, so they found you online and completely reached out to you? Uh, the restaurant? Mm-hmm. No. So what I was doing is, at the time, I was working for the family business selling point-of-sale systems to restaurants, so kind of the computer uh. systems. Uh, so I was a salesperson, but in kind of like my side hustle thing, I was like, you know, all these people creating online content and I had been food blogging for years and I was like, you know, I should start a podcast. And so I started a podcast interviewing local chefs and restaurateurs, which was a great foot also in the door for the restaurant point of sale systems business. Cause I would say, Hey, can I come in and interview you and talk about your background and your business and you know, what you're cooking and all these things. Um, and so then that was a way to create a relationship with the chefs and the restaurateurs and the bartenders and all the people in the local food industry. Um, and, but as I started to do that, I was doing these interviews and then I do a blog post and Instagram post with it. And so I'd say, Hey, along with this, can I come into your restaurant and take a couple pictures of the dishes? And that was just creating my own content. So that was what opened that door for that very first client was I'd come in and shop for my own blog. And then they, you know, after I shared out the episode and I shared out the blog post and Instagram, they're like, we like those pictures and we need a photographer. So, um, you know, it was creating content for myself and then somebody liked it and said, can you do that for us? And that's, that's what opened that door. I love that. I love that. That is that shows people that if you have the drive and you create the opportunity, the opportunity can can feed you for a long time after that. So true. And, you know, I look back at it because I did, oh, goodness sakes, over like nearly 300 episodes uh, over the course of two years on that um, on that podcast. And this was like, what year was this? This was like 20. 2013 to 2015 and people are like oh podcast that's never going to become a thing <laughs> right your podcasting before it was cool i was podcasting back in the day people like oh that's never going to take off no one listens <laughs> to podcasts now i'm like gosh you know but ultimately like that podcast yeah i never got any big sponsors it never turned into anything like financially sustainable in and of itself mm-hmm. but the connections I made through it, I absolutely would not own the business that I own today had I not gone through that because it opened the doors, it made connections, it helped me get into restaurants, it helped me understand online media, it helped introduce me to all these marketing people. So, you know, I I think that, you know, you go through these different things and you try stuff out and you're like, oh, well, that was a failure. Like it, that was absolutely not a failure to me. Yeah, it was never monetized, but it has now it was the best marketing. Granted, it's a lot of hard work, but it's also fun. But the best marketing I could have ever done to build the foundation of my business. So, so are we like, uh, are we like rebooting that podcast or like, are we doing that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly taking it all back. Oh man. And I look at like the technology now and I'm like, Oh, it's so much easier, you know, back in yeah. the day. Oh, I had this whole soundboard that I'd wheel out to the restaurants wow. and it was this whole production. But, uh, people go, what kind of gear do I need to start a podcast? I was like, don't ask me. Cause my knowledge <laughs> is like circa 2013 and it is vastly changed. <laughs> Now it's just like one part. Like I have, I have the uh, the road podcaster, roadcaster, and that's just plug and play, and you just go for it. 
Yeah, see, oh man, but you know, whatever, <laughs> wherever you're at, you know, for those listening, doing those kind of things always, uh, as long as you're being generous with people and you're being, um, you know, generous with what you're doing, it will always come back as a benefit to you. Right. And and I I love to hear stories about people who, I, I've, it was a saying, it was a quote that changed my life one day, and it was a simple quote. Um, that said, happen to life. Don't let life happen to you. And, mm-hmm. and it really, I don't know why, but at the time it, I just, it punched me in the throat. Like I, I was like, gosh, I'm just sitting here going with the flow. Mm-hmm. I need to, to, to do something to change, you know, where, what's going on in my life. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and there's never been a better opportunity you know, if you are a person living in the United States in 2020, despite, you know, all sorts of different things going on in our world, there is still so much opportunity if you just take the if you just take the chance, especially with the Internet. Like I tell people all the time, like the Internet is just it's an amazing thing it's for business. It's an amazing thing for business. You should be you should be using it to your advantage um, and you should be creating things to help, um, you know, to help your business run, even when you're not paying attention. Like even while you're asleep, your business should still be doing great things thanks to the Internet. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I, I want to ask you about and, and I, you know, and that's the kind of something you touched on that kind of, you know, I like to tug at and make sure that the listeners of my channel know how important it is to you know, sometimes there's a saying that says um, sometimes opportunity comes dressed in overalls and people avoid it because they feel like it's work. Mm. But what, you know, the idea of a podcast back then, like out of all things, you know, YouTube channel or traditional blog, like like why, like why audio at that time? That's a good question. You know, I... It is funny. I feel like because I I knew nothing from a production standpoint, and I didn't I didn't even know photography really at that point. Like I I had a camera, but I didn't know how to use it outside of auto. And so the idea of video content I think was super overwhelming. So that's probably mm-hmm. why I didn't go that direction because I you know I was like how do I even start with that. Um, you know, there was, now I remember, you know, I kind of have to go back in the memory bank. So there was a local DJ who had been huge on the local rock station. He had been big in like the 80s and 90s um, because it was kind of one of these local Phoenix personalities. And so right around that time when I was kind of, you know, thinking of, I want to start something. I want to promote restaurants. I want to get into this online content stuff, um, I met this guy, his name's Dave Pratt. And so connected with him and he was starting this internet radio station, was looking for personalities. And I forget exactly how all the paths crossed and came to be, but he said, you should be a personality on our on our um, network. And I was like, oh, okay. And he had a studio and all the fancy microphones and they did all the recording and music licensing and all this jazz if I just show up with guests. And so, but it was like 1500 bucks a month. So it was like, it was a, you know, pretty piece of cash. And he was saying, you know, if you do this, like you'll be able to get that covered in sponsorship in no time. And I was like, okay, you know, and I'm a salesperson. I'm like, oh yeah, I could sell sponsorships. Mm -hmm. But it was like about 
two, three months. And all of a sudden I realized like, mm, yeah, this, this is not, <laughs> this is very expensive for what it is. And I don't think that I can hit that monthly nut. So I thought, well, I do like though the connections that I'm making and I still believe in this idea. So that's then when we went out and worked with my dad and I said, dad, what do we got to do? Like, you know, audio stuff. My dad's kind of a techie guy. And so, um, help me, you know, we, bought the soundboard and the microphones and all this jazz and whatnot, and then started to figure it out on our own, you know, signing up for Libsyn and trying to get it to go out to iTunes. And, oh, I remember that was the biggest nightmare of all. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just as far as, like, I think that it was kind of that seed was planted because of that connection and that person that came into my life. And it was like, oh, okay, here's, here's something that I can do. And then, you know, you start going down that path and you get more confident in the technical parts of it, mm-hmm. then you can expand those content offerings. So, so where's he now? Dave Pratt? Mm-hmm. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> so here you are blowing up this, this huge YouTube star. You should charge him uh, 1500 bucks to come in. A- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Wanky, schwanky studio situation. It was nice, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I've always kind of approached things too, and I feel like one of the things that I'm I'm glad I've done in my business is, you know, especially when you're starting out, is doing things on for yourself instead of mm-hmm. hiring them out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now to my detriment, there are certain things that I should probably hire out at this point that it would be fine to have somebody else do just to free me up to do more of the creative stuff. But there is something so valuable in understanding like how to do everything you need to do so that if something happens, like God forbid that you can be up and running and you're not relying on these other people. And so, you know, figuring out how to do audio and how to do recording and how to, you know, do all these things. I'm super glad that I know all those skills now. So I tell people all the time to learn how to do whatever you're paying somebody to do. Cause you, you, you can get like, you can get seriously robbed if you don't know anything about video editing and somebody's telling you it takes two hours to render a two minute clip and you're paying somebody by the hour. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's, you know, knowing what these kind of things take, I think, is so helpful and so important. And so I'm I'm glad that I didn't ultimately stick at that studio. Granted, that just wasn't affordable for where I was at either. But, you know, now knowing what I know, I'm like super glad that I was forced to go figure it out myself. Yeah, I agree. So tell me, so after you started doing like, you know, your your the first company hired you, how did you decide to streamline the business? Well, um, you know, I feel like I was dragged into it kicking and screaming. <laughs> there were so many times that I'm like, you know, you kind of get these mentalities of self-doubt and like, who am I and what do I think I'm doing? You know, you really start to doubt your abilities or your value and things like this. And so there were a good number of times, especially in those first two years that I was like, I'm not going to turn this into a business. Like there's no way, like I can't, I can't do this. This is not for me. Um, You know, I just got super overwhelmed by it. So I felt like I walked away from like gigs. I'm like, I'm never going to take any more clients again. And my husband go, okay, whatever. And then, you know, (laughs) 
three months later, I've <laughs> taken another right. client again. Um, so I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, but I think that there were some things that happened in my life, um, including a process of um, recovery from alcoholism that I, in 2015, was like, I need to pursue creative things in my life. I need yeah. to double down on this and focus on this. I don't know what this is going to look like or how this is all going to work. Um, but really kind of healing some parts of who I am really helped to free me up to then embrace my business and to say, no, I can do this. And no, the only person stopping me is myself. Um, and nobody needs to give me permission to do these things. And so um, moving forward into that and, and just being open to then the, the projects that came my way and, and really trusting my gut and my intuition as to which projects were the right ones for me and which ones weren't. Um, Cause you know, I, I really, at this point, you know, my love is food photography. Now I get a lot of inquiries, not as much anymore, but especially those early, early days get inquiries from different people who weren't a fit for the kind of business that I was looking to build. And so I think being strategic in selecting those clients and saying, I'm really going to focus on food, you know, this, family and portrait stuff is cool, but I don't, I don't want it to distract me from what is ultimately where I think my gifts lie and the systems and, and structure that I can build my, build my business around. And two, I've got little, I've got two little boys who now at this point, they're six and eight. So they're getting less and less little all the time, but they were pretty little then. And I realized, you know, this running out to restaurant stuff isn't going to work so well, but I can work out of my home. And so then that's when I really started to court um, brands and especially kind of mid-sized to larger national brands based here in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. who have the financial backing and infrastructure to afford professional photography, but that we're not doing the big, huge, like agency commercial productions um, like you might see on the bigger scale where you're getting studios and you're working with like all these people. So I like smaller productions that then I can run out of my home because I got little dudes at home who I got to keep track of. Trust me, I totally know <laughs> what that's like as a single dad. No. I know exactly what that's like. I got really, really, really little little dudes. I got a, a six and a one. So, oh yeah. my goodness! And, and but my daughter's older. She's seventeen, so she helps um, when she's not glued to her iPhone somewhere. Yeah, uh, you know, on a Zoom chat with all of her friends. She when she has time for me, she helps. Yeah. Um, so so tell me about and and I like how you kind of transitioned into you started courting. You know larger companies do you feel like it was difficult to start to get their attention or, or or did things like the podcast and like instagram and things like that help you uh get on their radar yeah i feel like i mean i would say 90 percent of especially the early clients but even some that i still service now have all come as a result of doing personal projects doing little you know, hey, I'm going to take a picture of this thing today and sending it over to the brand. You know, I in the episodes we did, I talked about Sarah Lee, um, Coaches Oats. They're an oatmeal brand that I've shot now for the last, I think we're going on three years at this point, doing regular work for them. Um, you know, all sorts of these different businesses. I do think that one thing that really helped me, too, to get on people's radar was... 
I attended the Fancy Food Show, which is an industry-specific event um, for specialty food brands based here in the U.S. And so they come together at these twice-a-year trade shows um, where their real focus is to work on, you know, marketing their product to the different grocery store chains. So like Kroger is there and Costco and, you know, all these Whole Foods, all those reps are there to sample and try out all these different products and see what's coming up and what's new and it's kind of a place to see and be seen and so i went there as a volunteer um, to help uh, at a booth for one of my current clients and i said i'll happy to be there and show up and pay my way because then that was a way for me to get into that trade show and start to then make connections with um, potential other brands and meet them physically in person which you know is somebody who really relies a lot on building relationships that was a huge asset to be able to physically um, go there and, and to connect with people in person. So that was another that was another way. But again, you know, it was always like, hey, I love your product. Can you send me some of that product and I'll, you know, play around with it and take some photos. And you know, if you like them, share them out online. And that was 100 percent how I built my business. Let me tell you, I, I, I absolutely love that about you. Um, and it's something that I preach a lot of. And you kind of covered three things that is extremely important. One one thing that you, you touched on and people sit back and they want to wait for clients to knock on their door and they want to just, you know, get a camera and assume that clients fully understand what they're capable of doing and find them in their home somewhere and just slide a check under their door. Um <laughs> you know, to get them to do business. And in hearing your story, I love how, you know, you kind of talk about how you kind of went after them. You invested well, three things you did that I, I preach a lot. One is you stuck to your niche because you got to focus on making sure that you're doing what what you love to do, what you're good at. And you're not caught up doing family portraits because I get family members now. It's like, hey, we want you to come down and film our kids basketball game. And I'm like, look, I'm, that's not what I do, but I can refer you to someone. So sure. that's extremely important to your willingness to go after the brands, to work for free, to put yourself in a position where you're noticed and you're respected for your work before you're looked at as someone who's begging for attention or begging for um, a paycheck. And that says a lot about a person. And I tell people in this industry all the time use your talents to get you where you want to go like use that ability to 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 get you to open doors and not only are you willing to go and work for free sometimes to get things done you're willing to invest your hard-earned money back into putting yourself in and in, in positions to help you even more like going to conferences or, or or things like that and i think a lot of people get into this industry and and those are three things that they won't touch they won't touch at all they won't do anything for free they won't invest even in courses or classes or another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply or things to to become better at what they do and they definitely have a hard time sticking to their niche they want to do everything you're listening to content and cash a flash film academy podcast yeah no i you know i feel like one of the great examples of you know this strategy is you know people in the restaurant industry that you know top chefs, people who have worked their way up to those high reputations and, you know, work in those great restaurants and have the awards and everything, they all started out as a dishwasher and they all started out as a sous chef, you know, that they started out under somebody and especially in the more competitive arenas of food and cooking, a lot of times when you're first starting out, you are making nothing. You are, yeah. you know, there's a story of um, David Chang, who's, I think it's David Chang's story. There's many chefs that have the same story that, you know, he was determined that he's like, I want to work for this very specific chef who's top name in New York City. And I'm going to volunteer, like, because that was kind of expected, you know, it's like, hey, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to work in this guy's kitchen. I will work for free for a year. I will figure it out. You know, he made these major sacrifices, but Mm -hmm. again, you know, here we are, however many years later, and it's paid dividends because he, he knew he wanted it so bad that he'd be willing to go to whatever lengths um, to make it happen. So yeah, I think that that leading with generosity for me has always paid off. And I I think it can get scary for people. They think, oh, I'm going to get taken advantage of and you're going to expect to always work for free. But I think that if you have your radar up and if you are genuinely creating a relationship with these people, Mm -hmm. uh, the marketing people and the advertising agency people, that they're they're not going to want to take advantage of you because they're going to want to have that long-term relationship too so you got to really treat people as people you know that how would you treat somebody who's a friend or a family member and it's the same sort of same sort of way I I think it also shows you because I think people have a hard time understanding how to provide value you know it's I think working for free teaches you how to provide value it teaches you how to listen to what those you're helping need so that you can provide them with something that they don't want to go without. And that's, that's how you become a paid employee. When you, when you learn to provide something that that client says, Whoa, we really need this. We, you know, thank you for coming out of nowhere and providing this. We're going to put you on the payroll or we're going to work with you in the future, or we're going to, uh, we're going to start paying you because you know, we, we need this. We definitely need this. Yeah. My, my next question for you was, so with that being said, how did it transition to YouTube life? Like, how did you wake up and say, you know what? I love doing this, but. <laughs> so I'm trying to think the whole timeline of it. So, well, right around 2015, when I started out wanting to like, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to build my own business. Like I'd always had this little like seed in the back of my mind, like, oh, you know, I just want to be on Food Network. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to have my own cooking show, right? Like so many people have this dream. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, at this point I had figured out I had figured out cameras and I had figured out audio. And so then it was just a matter of starting to create my own videos. So I thought, okay, I'll figure this out. So I thought, well, I'll just create some cooking videos because I also had a food blog where I created recipes. So I was like, I'm just going to create recipes and I'm going to share them on YouTube and create videos around it. I'm going to do three times a week and I'm going to do everything that all the YouTube gurus out there tell you to do. And I just, so I started doing that and I did that for the better part of two years um, and never really got any traction. So again, you know, hash, like in quotation marks, failed podcast, then failed YouTube channel. But not, again, not failures because they were super important building blocks. So I was creating yep. all these recipes, but you know, I didn't have a specific audience. There was not a specific value. It was more just about me wanting to be on camera. And so then though, through the course of creating the videos on that channel, there's like 200 some odd videos. Most of them are unlisted at this point. So you cannot because <laughs> they are crazy embarrassing. Um, but I, I did one video on that channel, which was a video about how I shoot my recipes, like for my Instagram and for my blog. And that quickly became the most popular video on that channel. And I was like, well, this is interesting. But then I thought, well, you could never, I could never create a whole entire channel. I could never just like devote all my content to photography. That would be, that would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I continued with the recipe stuff. And then I went to this conference and I met with this guy, Daryl Eves, who is like a YouTube guru. He's certified by YouTube to do, you know, analysis of channels and help them grow and things like that. And I said, Daryl, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I've been doing this for two years. I publish three times a week. I do jazzy thumbnails. I do my keyword research. Like I do all the things that everybody tells you you're supposed to do. And my channel hasn't gone anywhere. Like I think that it was like maybe 5,000 subscribers over the course of two years publishing three times a week. And he's like, he looks at it and he's like, yeah, there, there's just something fatally wrong with your channel. And it's not, it's, you know, you don't have a lot of hope here. And I mean, I was crushed, you know, I was like, <laughs> oh, like you could just, you just sucker punch to the gut. And I thought, and so then this, and this was like early 2017. May of 2017, and I thought, oh gosh, and and I and my enthusiasm for the YouTube platform had really waned at that point because you know you just feel like you're like pushing this boulder uphill, and you're like, I know this is where I'm supposed to be, but I just don't know what I'm supposed to do about it, and I don't entirely. Oh, I know what happened. So that happened, and then local food bloggers at that point had started asking me for help with their photography, and I started ho hosting local workshops. Um, and I, and so that was interesting and fun. And I was, you know, teaching people in person. And then I realized though, that I was tired of teaching certain things over and over again. Like I was like, if, if people could come to my workshops already knowing how to shoot their camera in manual, then we could have some real fun. Like, I don't want to just teach you about aperture ISO and shutter speed when we're sitting down, you know, like, I don't want you to show up and have me teach you something you could very well learn online. Um, so I'll just go out and create these videos. So I created the first five videos that are on the channel, which are how to operate your camera in manual mode. Um, and put those out there as sort of this, hey, like, let's just teach you guys this so that then I can have fun in these workshops. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, it 
there's like traction in a way that I had never seen on my other channel. It was like random people were showing up and asking questions and there were people coming back for additional videos and there were video requests. And so started an Instagram account. I mean, I didn't have a logo. I didn't have a website for it. <laughs> I just was creating these YouTube videos and sharing it on Instagram. And then suddenly it, it got legs and it was like, this is, I have, I've hit something here. This is so different than anything I've seen in my previous attempts of creating content. Um, because I think that if you look at it, you know, what I was doing, it's kind of what you already talked about earlier is that I found a very specific niche, right? Like, I think that I've had success on YouTube because it's so very specific to food photography. It's not a general photography. It's like, this is what we do here. Um, and that I, I was doing something that was very valuable. You know, you look at the recipe videos that I were doing, okay, maybe somebody needed help figuring out how to make whipped cream or something. But like ultimately to create that ongoing relationship was that I was creating something of real tangible value um, for problems that people were having. You know, if you can solve somebody's problems, they're yeah. going to love you for life. Yep. So that was then, yeah, that was September 2017 when I launched um, the Bite Shot on YouTube and and that, that baby took off and I was off to the races. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been growing ever since and looking oh, good. Yeah. I like the fact that a lot of people think that a lot of people plan their next step or they procrastinate on doing something because they feel like I got to have the logo. I got to have this. I got to have that. It has to be perfect. We have to. The next step needs to be a comfortable step. And, and really, your next step needs to be a blind step off the side of a porch <laughs> where you are just scared to death, but you're doing it. You got to yeah. just do it. Yes. And you don't know if this is going to work. You don't know if this is the right move. But but like I always do. And I don't know if this is the same for you. I I just always in the back of my mind, there's this little voice that I'm really good at trying to shut it up and tell it to go away. But like the little voice in my head knows what what's up. It's that intuition. Mm -hmm. it, it knows like, hey, like because I could have created the videos, you know, on the existing channel that I had, but I, for some reason I had this inkling, like I should create a new channel for this photography content. And I'm so glad that I did because now it's kind of branded on its own. And that's been great for sort of that long-term success. And so I, it's really, you know, it, I think sometimes we shut up our, our intuition and we tell it to go away and we go, no, 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 this doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it needs to, be reasonable, but there's a certain amount of, uh, it's okay for things to be unreasonable because that's where, well, that's where the magic leads you. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to be comfortable feeling uncomfortable. I, for me, I was, you know, combat photographer in the army and the army prepares you to live a life of, of being uncomfortable and, and, and not even complaining about it. Like not even, you know, so what you're too hot. So what you're too cold. Like it doesn't matter. Like finish the job. Yeah. We're here to do what we got to do. The, the sooner and better you do it, the faster you'll be home back in your bed, sleep. So let's just get it done. Let's not even complain about it. Um, so and and I, I, you know, a lot of things I've, that I've learned from your story um, are, are things that I tell people a lot of time. It's OK to fail. Just fail forward. Learn from it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, allow it to continue to push you. You know, a lot of people want to jump into YouTube. You're going to do 150 videos before people even care to to 
to hit a like button and you have to have the passion in place to drive you because if you do it for any other reasons other than passion you will burn out and you will fail yeah yeah and and you're totally right you know doing all of those i t- i tell people like if you're not embarrassed by your first 10 videos i would mm-hmm. personally say your first 100 videos like yep, you're I not agree. Doing it right <laughs> i'm yeah i totally agree because you got to put yourself out there. And, you know, I just think, gosh, you know, that first channel, it was like so much time and energy and everything invested. But the same way with the podcast, like I can't count that as failure at all, because that was how I learned how to do how to record video and how to record audio with video and how to edit and how to use Premiere and all these different things that now I market as services within my business. And so I'm selling that to my clients now. Uh, but that's why then when I started the bite shot and people like, where'd this chick come from? Like, this is coming <laughs> out of nowhere. You know, it's like that overnight success takes 10 years in the making. You know, it was like, well, this, this ain't my first rodeo y'all. <laughs> right. And, and the thing is people think that you can actually, like, I try to stress to people, you can't get around that. Like the faster you go through those hundred videos, the faster you'll you'll start to see success, but there is no way to game plan around it. You can you can watch, you know, stuff and tutorials and prepare as long as you want, but you have to go through the experience of that first one hundred videos. You Truth. have to do it. Truth. <laughs> it's just it's just a part of the it's just a part of the game. It's a part of life. You know, you have to go through the crawling stage to learn how to walk. And it's just nobody go from scooting to running. It just doesn't happen like that. Like, you know, and it's amazing to see as a parent to see your kids grow up and you're like, wow, you know, you were just barely standing uh, two weeks ago and now you're running and you're in every cabinet and you're in you're everywhere. So I want to make sure that people who are listening to this know where to find more information about you and everything you got going on. Yeah. So kind of the hub of all the action, uh, you can always go to thebiteshot.com. And that sort of connects out to all the various different arms and legs of of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my content though lives on YouTube. That's where all the tutorials are at. But I also do share pretty regularly on Instagram, which contains a lot more of the behind the scenes. Um, one of the things that people love about my Instagram that I think was key and I always highly encourage educators to do um, is anytime I share a piece of content that I share the behind the scenes of how I created it. And so people always really, um, you know, and it's a hot mess usually behind the scenes. So it's like food flying everywhere. There's crud everywhere. And people like, oh, you made this beautiful photo and look at the hot mess behind the scenes. So people think it's uh, magic until they see it. So they see (laughs) behind the things and they're like, wow, okay. They're like, that looks like a disaster. But gosh, that picture turned out great. Right. I'm always blown away or used to be blown away at people who create like really good content. And I see the behind the scenes and I'm like, I I got all of that stuff here. Like (laughs) I got I own that same equipment. Look at what you did with it. Like um, one one last thing I want to touch on, because I know for me, just going through things in life um, is the importance of having that creative outlet, like finding what it is you love to do and and doing it to help you through life. Like I meet so many people who don't have hobbies, who don't have anything that they're passionate about. So for me, I know, you know, just going through things in life, you know, creating content and being creative 
has has been my almost therapy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dealing with everything and, and, you know, being in the military. So I always encourage people and I love, you know, just to hear about people's lives and how this this passion for something that most people are like, uh, you know, maybe it'll pay something, maybe it won't. Or, you know, a lot of people, I don't want to say they downplay it, but they don't fully understand the doors that that this can open for you if you're a content creator and so many things can come from it from podcasts to youtube channels to shows on the food network or even a business that pays bills so i I love to hear stories from people who um live a life that is filled with creativity in a way that has been productive um you know over time and it's kind of been you know their therapy too through whatever they were going through in life yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just, you know, the, there's no place that I'm happier than in the kitchen ready to pull out the camera. You know, yeah. like that's that little spot right there. That's that's some happiness. And so that that I get to do that all the time is pretty incredible. It's a great life. I, I love that. I'm like that with filmmaking. Um, yeah. I forget to go to the bathroom sometimes. I'll just be holding <laughs> You're like, am I? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let have me I showered? <laughs> My, my cast and crew will be on set. We'll get there at 5 a.m. and it'll be like 12 midnight. And I'm still ready. Like I'm amped up. Like, yeah, this shot is perfect. And like, bro, we got to get some sleep. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I guess I can let you get some sleep. I'll just wait here until you get back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got a problem with. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And you would think I had 20 Red Bulls. I had none. I just, I just love it. I just love it. So whatever, if you're listening to this and you have some things you feel like that about, you can't get enough. You want to definitely make sure you chase that passion, chase those dreams and uh, find a way to monetize it. Learn the business side of it. I love I, I love your story. And just it, it's amazing to hear people's journey and how things came about, because people on the outside just assume you either, you know, you got lucky or you did one thing or you woke up and you were this good and things just fell into place. And they have no idea hmm. how much work you put into getting where you are. Um, you know, free work, how much you've invested um, in things. And people just think it's just a fluke sometimes or it's easy or, you know, somebody else made it because they had were dealt a better card than you or something like that. And the truth is, it's just hard work. Hard work all the way. Nothing nothing replaces it. (laughs) Hard work and passion. So I want to thank you for taking the time today to join me on this podcast. People are going to love to hear it. I get a lot of when I do interviews like this, the, I get a ton and tons of messages oh. um, from those who listen. So I hope that uh, people were able to learn something from it. And one more time, uh, give them the, um, the YouTube channel and Instagram and everything one more time. Yep. It's at the bite shot. So the bite B I T E shot, like a camera shot. Make sure you definitely check it out. Make sure you subscribe and go hit the thumbs up button. Um, I had a few um, I had a few subscribers from my channel. It's funny because whenever I tell them to go to another channel, they feel obligated to go there and comment. I am from Flash Film Academy. <laughs> they are, they are not loyal type, which is that, which is a testament to the the channel and the relationships that you've built with your audience. Which it's it's so wonderful to see. I love it. They're like, I am from. Hey, I am from Flash. I, I'm on loaner from Flash Film Academy. I lo- I'm like, what? I like what you're doing over here. I don't know. Jury's right. still out, but uh, Ty sent me, so I'm here. So they, right. well, thank you for sending them because I it's been great to connect with your audience as well. Oh man, I love it. 
You've been listening to Content and Cash, a Flash Film Academy podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and go to our webpage at www.flashfilmacademy.com.